In the name of our risen Lord, to the glory of God our Father, through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The resurrection happens in semi-darkness. Not at the brightness of noonday or in the heat of the afternoon. And this is with intent. Not just does it signify a new day, a new life, but indeed a mystery. The ambiguity of two worlds, of two realities. For believers of none, non-Christians, skeptics, and even progressive Christians, the resurrection is a source of controversy, a debate whether it is fact or fiction. And for many, it is a tenet of faith that is not questioned in order to uphold tradition. But not something that one seriously thinks about, actually, or is able really to defend. Um, and nor is it of a great deal of perhaps practical value. For liberal theologians, the resurrection is arguably just symbolic, a metaphor of new life, part of the charisma, the, the gospel proclamation that inspires belief. Within postmodernism, the rationale of such an approach, however, is exceeded. It does better justice to the text, to the context of the time, and for us living in a pluralistic world of multiple cultures. The function of the resurrection is indeed shrouded revelation. It brings to the fore a subliminal narrative and meaning. Because rationalism cannot explain everything during the resurrection, Peter Crawford from the University of South Africa proposes that it should be regarded as a phenomena of Nero anthropology. And so neuroanthropology is a, is a fairly recent approach within the academia, considering that our brains interpret visual stimuli very biasedly. Depending on your cultural formation, you will be inclined to literally see things that others won't as a sort of optical illusion, while you may be blind to other things. Our world essentially is made of respective philosophies of logic and it makes sense to one particular group in a very logical sense. In the scene, in the moment, the men abandon the tomb. And it's rather bizarre considering that their Lord and Savior's body is missing and they leave, and they leave Mary behind. But it says that one of the disciples indeed had that initial deposit of faith in his heart and starting to understand that the prophetic, what is the prophetic scriptures of his people, notably from the Psalms. So Mary is on her own, semi-darkness. And perhaps it could be her trauma and her stress that make her hallucinate. Seeing angels and Jesus but it does not quite end there, for we see that her mental state continues in this frame. And she goes to tell the others what she had seen. And soon it is corroborated by Jesus appearing to the other disciples. And so what happens 
is the start of a process of enculturation. Thereby seeing Jesus themselves, the other followers of Jesus start to formulate a consensus that the resurrection has indeed occurred. And this is a critical approach, a critical facet to appreciate within neuroanthropology. Consider for a moment how black South Africans claim to see their deceased ancestors, the spirits of them, especially when transitioning from life to death, but white people typically don't. Generally, we don't question the validity of their experience because of the consensus of it. Despite not knowing the substance or the precise working of the spiritual. The meaning of the resurrection deepens with the men actually leaving the scene. Because women's and the theologies of the oppressed are often untold and overlooked. And this is shrouded in the semi-darkness. Jacques Derrida, the French philosopher, categorized this, among other things, as hauntology. Hauntology is a play on the words of being haunted by memories, the psychology of that, and the ontological agency, the very essence that these memories possess. In other words, it is spiritual, you could say, that gives extra meaning on the notion of being haunted. For those who live holistically, therefore, by Ubuntu, who is culturally formed in it, not just believing it as a, an addition to their culture, the dead and the living are in communion, or to put it differently, have an existence in relation. For Mary and the culture of Near Eastern culture, it was quite similar. And it is actually enshrined for us in the ancient Christian doctrine of the communion of the saints. For the believer in Christ has eternal life. And therefore, as we share in the one bread, as what we say in the Eucharistic liturgy, we share in the body of Christ, and therefore we are in communion with heaven, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, as it says in Hebrews past, present, and future. It makes communion sacred. And it is gospel. For the dead is offered no justice outside a polyphastic world. A polyphastic consciousness of reality informs us of the multidimensional essence that make up our existence and experiences. Jesus' instruction to Mary is therefore well positioned. For he speaks to her, having the substance of glorification, and he says, go, go and tell. And this initiates the enculturation process. In fact, it initiates calling, perhaps that of being an apostle, which give voice and joy in response to the guilt of his innocent death. And in this process, Mary experiences becoming, as opposed to forgetting. And for her and her community, this is not certainly not fiction. And the resurrection should lead us 
therefore to decolonialize our neuroanthropology that results in ethnocentrism. The resurrection of Jesus is bodily, but only observable to the eye that is trained by faith, as it were. And this faith can be defined as anastasis, an awakening, a restoration that establishes justice, the renewing of a broken community and developing a new consciousness. And the dualism between fact or fiction actually result in the conspiracy theory in the time soon after the resurrection as the religious leaders invent this to save themselves, to cover it up, but in order to make it very clear cut. And that is the carnal mind. That Jesus' followers must have stolen his body. Yet the resurrection redefines the relationship between the living and the dead. And so we need to be sympathetic also to Peter and John because the resurrection of Jesus is a pioneering archetype. And therefore, it becomes the standard of perception and ultimately the judge for the ontology, the hauntology applied. The restitution needed is achieved through human agency. And that's what we hear Paul says in his letter to the church in New Testament. It speaks of cultures becoming and not forgetting. In fact, the ontological power of Jesus through his resurrection overpowers the oblivion that is death. And therefore, Jesus makes himself unforgettable. Our becoming, our personal resurrection and religious enculturation happens through baptism. The initiation ritual manifests the transformation of weeping to joy and from death to life. The logic of this goes even perhaps further. And so as we look to the future of humanity, made of interconnected consciousness and the integration of information, perhaps even through the means of artificial intelligence one day, of what can be termed as cyborg anthropology. The power of the resurrection is a real felt experience for the ethical community it creates. The resurrection proves that sin, the sin of injustices and the oppression of the marginal must be defeated. The voice of the lowly will be heard. And our part of our part in this community, to be part of it, is important for each one of us as we need the power of the resurrection for our own lives. We need to be freed from unjust enculturation to see the things of God actually right in front of us and to live morally and freely in the awakening of our own resurrection. The resurrection is for you, your story, for your justice, your empowerment. Have a blessed Easter. Amen.